Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm here with Danny Hatch, my co-host, and my co-co-host slash <laughs> former roommate slash former editor slash longtime friend slash new friend of the podcast, Tony Danza. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey! Thanks for coming, Tony. <laughs> that, that's, that's the longest title I've ever been given. That's great. <laughs> Well, I'll just give it, wait till next time. I'll give you a better one. Okay, I'll put on my resume. It's building up that's every good. time because I think we had like uh, King Casanova or whatever that one time. So. Oh, that's right. That was a good one. That was, that was a good, good one. one. That was nice. That was nice. So how are you guys doing? Great. How's things? How's, how's, how have things been going since the last time we got together to record an episode? <laughs> I had a really good glass of water. Very refreshing. Nice, so, nice, yeah, nice. Good. Um, maybe to kind of fill our, our, our listeners in, we're going to try a new thing where we're going to uh, kind of break up some of our subject matter and, and maybe try to do some uh, more frequent, shorter podcasts rather than just epic single podcasts. We'll see how that goes. But, well, because uh, there's just so much we've been wanting to talk about and sometimes we don't No, there is. And, right. Well, yeah. and ca- case in point... Uh, we've or at least i and i think just kind of talking to you guys you felt the same way even though this is the utah film pod these days there's i just kind of have this natural inclination to talk about streaming series as well because especially when when you look at you know uh something like disney plus and and marvel and all that everything is just kind of integrated now right i mean there there are movies there are the streaming tv shows and it's all kind of one big animal. And so, I don't know, for, for a while I've thought, oh, well, maybe it'd be kind of fun to to take some time and talk about some of these other things we've been seeing. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's just because it's the time of year where there's not a whole lot of great movies and we're still kind of in the pandemic. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think, uh, you know, maybe maybe we should give some time to the the telly, the TV, <laughs> the television. The telly. The uh, the idiot box as they used to call it <laughs> back in back in the day. The boob tube. But uh, now now just just to to further ostracize and, and torment Danny, I know that one of the series we wanted to talk about that, that Mark had mentioned was Get Back, the uh, the epic series about the Beatles' second to last album, technically, right? Mm-hmm. Or last. Second to last recorded, last released, isn't that right? I believe so, yeah, because um, Let It Be came out after Abbey Road, right? Yeah, after they broke up. Right, yep. Yeah. Yep. And after after it had gotten some, some extra production touches from uh, the late Phil Spector, mm-hmm. who kind of came in uh, after the band broke up and, and polished up to, to, to many... Uh, Years in a in a negative way, it kind of felt like they. Well, gosh, we're kind of already jumping in deep here, aren't we? Well, I mean, a little so too deep for me. Might as well. You know, a little too. I know, I, Danny. You you just you just got to embrace your inner rock and roll <laughs> fan. You know, everybody by now has to be. You know, I, mean, I think I think it's kind of required as an American to be a Beatles fan, isn't it? Isn't Is that, that an of, American thing? See, I, my I band so. is the Beach Boys. That's why I know all about Love and Mercy, you know? Like, oh, okay, okay. Like, my, my dad, my grandpa, they both grew up in California, you know? So it's like, yeah. you know? No, that's great. That's great. So I, no, I, I, love, I love the American. Beach Boys. USA. Um, 
USA. <laughs> so here's a question. Do you guys have a favorite beetle? Um, I don't know their names. I... <laughs> yeah, I Danny, mean, tell I... us about your favorite beetle. I know that. Like, I would recognize him. Was it, like was a... it Dave or was it Phil? <laughs> <laughs> like, something to me. Oh, man. Um, it was Ricky, wasn't it? Name. Wasn't it Ricky? I could say John. Oh, you could. <laughs> well, the there is a John. Name, right? <laughs> you, you, you'd probably get a lot of agreement on I that one. I feel like Paul McCartney is the one that I know the best. Yeah. He was he was the one that I thought was coolest as a kid. Mm. Um, but over the years, and not not just because I'm also a drummer, but I've I've really kind of developed a uh, an appreciation for Ringo. He's I don't know. He he definitely is kind of the 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 least controversial, but more most kind of relatable character among them. I think I don't know. For, Mark, did for you have me, a favorite? I, it's Paul. Yeah, I've always, yeah. I don't know, been partial to him for some reason. And watching Get Back kind of confirmed to me that he really is the, he seems to be the driving force of the Beatles, mm -hmm. you know, the heart well, of the for, Beatles. Well, for better and for worse, right? Maybe. Before, maybe before we jump full into this, I mean, this is a, was a three-part series. is about nine-ish hours altogether, eight, eight or nine hours of... A you know footage that was filmed while the Beatles were recording their Let It Be album in 1969. The original plan was that they were going to film the recording of the album and they film a live performance that was going to become the actual album. Um, and then the project just kind of spiraled out of control. Uh, originally, it was turned into a much shorter documentary that was more focused on kind of examining why this was part of the Beatles breaking up. But then Peter Jackson, a few years ago, gets a hold of all this footage and now has put together this huge series that is more of a celebration of the band. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but also kind of telling the story of this quote unquote failed project that still wound up turning into an album. Is that, you think that's good enough yeah. encapsulation? Yeah, that seems right. You, you concur? Mm -hmm. Good. Good. Danny, how'd you feel about that? Uh, I loved it. Good, good. Is it, is it, you know, all you need to know about the Beatles there in 30 seconds. Perfect. Actually, would this be a good thing for me to watch to learn about the Beatles? Because, like, I, I mean, no. I, I, I was joking a lot. Like, I know about this band. Like, I, and I'm very familiar with a lot of these songs. I mean, I don't know how you, you wouldn't know them, right? So, I, so, and this, this is kind of my, my basic takeaway for this series this is a great series to watch if you are a serious Beatles fan mm. or if you are a serious musician because it is so in-depth mm -hmm. that I would assume that casual Beatles fans or people who weren't really quite so interested in like the musical process, like the creative process, would be bored to death mm -hmm. and because they there's so many like outtakes and you know they would start a song and they'd play it for 10 seconds and then stop or they'd have a clip where they'd be kind of they they goof around constantly mm -hmm. and and i would think that you know if you didn't already have kind of an affection for this band or an appreciation for oh this is this is the process you go through when you're writing songs it would drive me crazy 
Like, why can't they finish a song? Why can't they just play something from beginning to end? You know, and because it's so much, there's so much of a start stop thing through, through most of it that I, I think that unless you're really in one of those particular categories, you come away thinking this should have been like one, two hour movie instead of a three part, several hour series. Mark, Mark, did you, did you, I felt the same way because I don't think you could even release this on a streaming service with any other band in the world. Like, I don't think it would, people would just watch it because it's so, it is, it's so in the weeds and in the intricate details of songwriting. And I think it's a fascinating look at sort of real time collaborative efforts to make a song, like to craft a song. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say I'm, I'm, it, you know, causes me to be even a bigger fan of Paul McCartney because he, he does so much work on making the songs and making them better. And even John Lennon's songs, um, I think there was, yeah. it was Give Me Some Truth or one of those John Lennon songs that basically McCartney just helped him finish, finished with him. Um, yeah. And so, I, I mean, what I've heard about the Beatles, and it seemed to be confirmed to me in the documentary, is that Lennon and McCartney really did a lot of, they, they're, they're always listed together as the songwriters for like 95% of the Beatles songs. I mean, a very high percentage. But they actually did a lot of the work on a song and then just, it was kind of like finished or touched up by the rest of the band or by the other, other yeah. songwriter. You know, like John Lennon is a day in the life. Paul McCartney is yesterday. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, if you go look at the catalog right now, it's just going to list both of those songs as Lennon slash McCartney. Yeah, um, yeah. So I noticed that, and and but yeah, I think if if you're into the like you said, if you're into the Beatles, if you're into the process of songwriting or how to, making a song with a band, or if you're just a musician, you probably would just love it. But it's long. I think it's eight hours, and um, I have I haven't even finished it. I mean, I, I want to, but um, it's and it is kind of re- repetitive in the sense that that's really all it is. I mean, the most of it is just cameras in the studio, uh, in this warehouse or whatever, mm-hmm. just watching them go to work, like watching the behind yeah. the scenes. And that, and the footage. I mean, intentionally because it was supposed to be like a an actual production, mm-hmm. like a documentary. But yeah. the footage, the footage is gorgeous. Yeah. Like I remember, like at the very beginning of the of the series, just thinking, man, this just looks beautiful. It's just really, yeah, really looks wonderful. Um, but. Uh, well, no, uh, well, actually, Danny, the question that you had before was, should I watch this as an introduction to the Beatles? Um, my answer is no, okay. for kind of the reasons we've been described. Yeah. If you're interested in learning more about the Beatles and kind of getting the essence of who they are, watch A Hard Day's Night. That, besides just being a fantastic movie, I think is going to be a much, much better introduction to them and then we'll kind of lead into some of this other, other stuff. But okay. if this is if this is your first introduction to the Beatles, you might just be shaking your head and just thinking, why do people <laughs> like these guys? <laughs> because it it doesn't it doesn't come through in that way. Um, there's there's one other I don't know. There's like I have one other thing that I wanted to point out about this before we move on. Mark, what what else did you? Is there anything else about about get back that? that you just no i i mean here's the other thing i noticed about it because you want to get to know the character i mean not the characters i mean you know the real people like what were they really like and i i do like how 
Ringo does come across as just like he doesn't complain because there's a lot of fighting in the movie too, just yeah. a little arguing. Ringo seems to be like cool with whatever. I'm here to keep the keep the band together, be the glue, kind of like a drummer should be, right? I mean, you think of the drummer's yeah. role mm-hmm. in making a song. No, it it That's is how like Ringo's it's kind of a cliche, but across. it's true. Yeah. it really is true. You know, um, you, you hear George Harrison complaining about being left out or not being included yeah. in things and. Um, well, he quits the band. He quits the band. Yeah, there's a few scenes where it's just three of them, and they just keep doing what they need to do, or they bring in someone else. But yeah, I mean, uh, I yeah, you, you just you like Ringo, you know, he, peace and love, man. Yeah. Like that's how Ringo is, right? <laughs> well, because the because that's actually kind of close to cl- closely related to the thing that stood out to me the most. Um, I mean, for one thing, the whole thing about. George quitting the band and then then Paul and John going off to have like a supposedly private lunch but then the director actually stuck a microphone in a flower arrangement <laughs> and recorded their conversation like there's there's some really interesting stuff in this in this documentary because um, I think at some point like like John Lennon is basically says okay well if we don't get anybody by this day we're getting Clapton right like they're just going to recruit Eric Clapton to just join the band but uh the thing that I think stood out to me that I that I really loved was how when they were really struggling to kind of get this thing off the ground and they, you know, kind of the earlier stages and there was bickering and tension and stuff. And then they bring their friend Billy Preston in to play some keyboard parts for him, who was an old friend that they used to tour with kind of, you know, several years earlier. And they so they bring in like this outside friend musician and as soon as he starts playing, it's like the energy of the whole documentary just bounces. And, and it's like the whole thing, like the band comes to life and they seem so much happier and, and things just kind of pick up a rhythm. And it's such a fun thing to watch. And, and I don't know if it's because, you know, I, I'm drawing on my own musical background and kind of similar experiences I've had with bands where there are, there are times when you really gel and there are times when you just can't get it together. But I, I loved how the tone of everything just shifted once Billy Preston arrived and, and kind of, it was almost like, you know, the, the Beatles marriage was really struggling. And so when they brought somebody else from the outside in, they were able to kind of loosen up and, and have a good time again. And mm. I, I thought that was really cool. That's cool. But, that uh, yeah. Okay, Danny. So, uh, since we've, uh, <laughs> given you, Giving you a little bit of a rest. How about uh, how about you bring up a series you'd like to talk about? What uh, I mean, we we got we got Netflix, we got Hulu, we got Disney Plus, we got well, we can keep HBO with... Max. What uh, what's what what have you been what have you been watching? Well, um, I'll I'll bring up what I what I have been watching. I think later because it, it's relevant to how I feel about the newest series on Disney Plus because. This with um, oh, yeah. get back. It's been it's been out for a little bit, and you've just been dying to. It has talk with someone this about it. This is a very it, timely episode. <laughs> yeah. Let's spend the first fifteen minutes of the podcast talk about something that's what four months old, five months old. <laughs> well, you need someone like Mark to Why actually not? like respond because like all that I know about the Beatles <laughs> came from like my viewing of yesterday, which mm. I, I I think it's oh. so. I I do oh, love yeah. that one. Yeah, so that actually, you know, John Lennon might be my favorite just because I, I love his role in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> were there any other series that you were watching that you'd want to talk about well so with that question it's just like 
and, and I feel like maybe I've talked about this before where I'm just, I'm not really into TV shows a lot because, like, I okay. feel like there's such a huge commitment with them. Whereas with a movie, I can just sit down, enjoy it, um, think about it, talk about it, and, and that's my, you know, it, it's all wrapped up there. Whereas whenever I get into a TV show, I'm, it's, you know, it, it takes a long time. And, like, I'm, and, and most of the time, I feel like TV shows also don't end really well. So it's like, you know, I dedicate all this time just to be let down. So a lot of the yeah. shows that I do watch, like I'm rewatching Monk for like my fourth time all the way through. It is my favorite TV show. Um, well, one, let's have you talk about that. I think that'd be fun. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, I guess it's just like, I like having something to watch like during lunches, you know, um, when my husband and I, we've been like working hard in the morning on homework or whatever. And we have like, you know, a good half an hour to an hour before we have to go to campus and then he'll go to work in the evening. So like, that's kind of like our time together. And I, I mm. want to watch something that I know I'll like. And so we've just, we've been rewatching shows that we loved. And so right now we're rewatching Monk and it is, it is my, my favorite show of all time. I loved it as a kid. I loved the crime shows, but there's something about that one where, and I've noticed this with a lot of the shows that I watch where I just, I love that dependability with the characters. Like you just know how they act so well mm-hmm. that like as soon as a, a situation is presented you are so excited because you know how they're going to react to it and it just it, it pays off so well and that's how i feel with monk where it's it's definitely the same thing every time where it's like oh you see you know the murder happen at the start and then uh we cut to monk who has you know, he's, he um, suffers from OCD, so he has some kind of phobia or some kind of hesitation with something. And by the end of the episode, he's going to overcome that fear ever so slightly. Um, and I just, I love how everyone interacts. I love their relationships. So it's just a very, I don't know, feel-good show for me, even though, you know, so many people die. Um. Oh. <laughs> well, so so I have to... I. I don't know that I've watched Monk. I certainly—I mean, I know who Tony Shalhoub is, mm-hmm. and and I remember this is a USA Network show, right? Because yes. I—I want to say this was kind of like this one went hand in hand with Psych, didn't it? Uh, I really—I really liked Psych. Yeah, no, it, um, Psych I knew because like there were so many ads with Monk. Okay. Where they were promoting yeah. that one, and it's very much the same thing. I think Psych has a little more of a narrative going for it, like a little more development, whereas Monk is very much like the same episode that's what, <laughs> yeah no that's what i was going to ask was like can you just do you just watch monk episodes at random or do you need to watch them in a particular order um i watch them in order but i think it's an ocd thing honestly um and i mean there's a little bit of progression there's some changes um there are a, a few arcs but everything is so subtle that you don't really you could watch it out of order and be totally fine like it was a great show for network television, and it's great for reruns because, like, you know, you turn on TV and it's oh, it's a rerun of Monk, and it doesn't matter yeah. where you're where you're starting. So, Mark, Mark, what's your most rewatchable show? Oh, that's a great question. I um, because I I tend to rewatch TV series more than try to watch new ones, and so <laughs> for example, we've been going through Seinfeld. Um, yeah. Like lately, I've seen so many episodes of Seinfeld in the last couple of months. I mean, probably two seasons worth, you know. Um, and so 
that one's a fun one. It just always cracks me up. Um, the Office, Yeah. I took a break from because I had seen it so many times. I've probably seen <laughs> it all the way to, through, like, three times. And uh, I still watch clips. I'll see little clips on, you know, online or whatever. But I those are very rewatchable to me because it's just I, I laugh even though, though I've seen that episode before and I remember it. I still laugh watching it again. Um but yeah, other more serious ones. I I like Fargo. Uh, the TV series, yes. not the okay. Well, I like the movie too, but I, I also like well, yeah, but, the TV series. I think it's been yeah. really fun to watch all the little Easter eggs and callbacks and references to all Coen Brothers movies, not just Fargo. They they've been doing. I I just I'm through two seasons of that, so I just finished the second okay. season a few weeks ago. Um, that's very interesting. I'm really into the Coen Brothers, so um, yeah, that might be something. If you watch that, about. even I mean, you look at the names of the characters, some some different little subplots that happen to certain characters are like so similar to a a movie that's out, you know, other than Fargo sometimes, and even some of the the titles of the episodes. So it's just it's like for Coen Brothers fans. It's like TV for Coen Brothers fans. Um, <laughs> we should we should have a Coen Brothers retrospective episode. We should. Yes, that would be fun. But, uh, um, a few others I've enjoyed, uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I kind of okay. pair those, obviously. Uh, okay. for, and uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen all of Better Call Saul. I think I've seen the first four seasons. Um, I've seen all of Breaking Bad, and that was probably, as far as non-comedy series goes, that's probably my favorite TV series. I mean, first of all, I would just echo like most of what you've already said. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love Office, Seinfeld, you know... I I have not watched Fargo. Now now Breaking Bad, I would probably say is one of the best shows I have ever watched. But I don't think I'm ever going to rewatch it ever again. Oh I yeah completely agree. I've seen like, it one time. I've seen the entire series once and just have no. I I would probably maybe one day, but I don't have a very strong desire to just start it again because I kind of feel like I'll be hooked and have to watch all of them. And it's pretty. <laughs> it's not. A fun rewatch, I'm guessing. Well, that's that's what I mean, right? <laughs> is it's I mean, it it is a really, really well made, well acted, well produced. Like, yeah, that's that's why I say probably one of the best shows I've ever watched, mm-hmm. and especially in kind of like because Danny, you mentioned this is like one of the problems with TV shows is that because they don't know how long it's going to go, exactly. a lot of times it ends so poorly, mm-hmm. right? Breaking Bad is one of the ones that has such a real clear arc from beginning to end. It's the exception, you know, mm-hmm. but it's also so depressing and dark and miserable and like because it seems like when i was watching that show there would be one time per episode where i'd think do i really want to watch this show Mm -hmm. like this is that that thing that just happened was so awful do i want to you know and so i you know i'm i'm glad that i can kind of draw on it and and see it as such a great example of storytelling and stuff but i don't think i'm ever going to want to just start from the beginning and just Mm rewatch breaking bad unlike some of the, some of my some of my favorite rewatches. I mean, I've I've been through Thirty Rock oh. a couple different times, The Office, like you said. Uh, we could have a long debate about this, I'm sure, but I I still have a fond place in my heart for Lost, in spite of all of its missteps and 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 un, unsatisfactory endings. Um, uh, actually, now one I don't hear about a whole lot, but might be one of my top ones ever. Did did either of you guys ever watch Friday Night Lights? Mm-mm. No, but I know of it. Oh my goodness, that is such a good show. That is, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the TV adaptation of the movie that was an adaptation of a book that was about a real life mm-hmm. high school football team in Texas. I've, I've read the book. And I liked it. You read the book. Yeah. I I checked the book out of the library, and I can't remember if I actually didn't start it or if I just didn't finish it. But yeah. But the movie, uh, the movie is one of my all-time favorite sports movies. The TV show is one of my all-time favorite TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would totally, I would totally recommend that. Now, now we kind of, you know, maybe to kind of steer back towards streaming, mm-hmm. um, we could probably have a discussion on Stranger Things, maybe as its own episode. But uh, this, this one, I, I'm really curious to see if you guys have, have checked out. Have you guys, have either of you guys watched Cobra Kai? Oh, I, I started, started that. it. Yeah, that's funny. We both started. Jinx, yeah. I think I've seen. So you didn't like it then? I liked it fine. I've probably seen about the first six or seven episodes. We we've been watching it. We just started it probably a month and a half ago. So okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh my. I goodness. really liked that pilot, and I think I watched the second episode. I just, I I I can't commit to TV shows. It's just it's so so rare. Such for a me. film snob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. TV shows are rough, man. It is. It is a heavy investment to make if you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like, because I I remember early on really liking How I Met Your Mother and enjoying the first couple seasons of that, and then it became clear that it was just going to kind of wander because the show was doing well and they weren't going to wrap anything up. And I kind of liked the main storyline. Mm-hmm. And then, so by the time the last few seasons came out, I wasn't watching them. And then I heard about just the disaster of the finale. Yeah. And so I went back to watch that just to see what happened. But then it was, you know, wow, I'm really glad that I didn't just like grind all the way through that because, you know, it's such a disappointing ending. Um, but now, so, so Cobra Kai, I have just adored because I was a huge fan. Like for me... I would almost say that Karate Kid is like my definitive 1980s movie. Yeah. And and so okay. huge, huge fan of the original. The the second and third ones, you know, had their moments, but considerably less less quality, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, just the concept of going back and taking the villain from the first movie and exploring his life in the 21st century is is just is a good idea on its own. But the way that they have been handling it has been so classic. Like as much as much as you enjoy Mr. Miyagi and Daniel in the in the original movie, the Johnny character, the way that it's being presented in this Cobra Kai show, is just brilliant. I it's one of my favorite characters on like any TV series. He's like he's like unfrozen caveman karate master, <laughs> like from the old SNL, like. They have it's it, it's like they they said okay well let's just pretend that like at the end of the Karate Kid he went into carbon freeze, and now he's been thawed out in the 21st century because it's like this guy's like 55 years old and he doesn't know what the internet is like he doesn't know how to use a computer and mm-hmm. it's like he's been asleep for the last 30 years and doesn't know anything about modern technology, and I just I just love the way they're they're playing with this this character and you know because he's got. He he never left you know he never left any of his kind of his eighties style behind and all this and mm-hmm. it's just I don't know I've I've I I can't say that it is it is the best show out there I mean part of what's adorable about it is it's kind of low budget and it's a little not good in a lot of ways 
Um, I noticed that the production values yeah. were not like a, right. uh, you know, multi-million dollar, I, I, I don't know how many, but like you could definitely tell it was, it's not the same budget as like the Mandalorian or any of these big, you know, epic. Yeah. Like streams. rings of power coming out. Yeah. Yeah. That's like half oh, a billion man. dollars or something, right? Am I the only one who's a little nervous about that one? Oh, no, uh, I think that's the consensus. Is it? Because I don't know anyone who's excited for it at this point, honestly. Yeah, I saw the trailer, I guess, during the Super Bowl and thought, ooh, that's what that's going to be? Because yeah. I'd heard about it. Well, I don't know. Like, And obviously, you know, if you, if you watched, if you listened to our previous episode on episode 14 of the Utah Film Pod, you know that <laughs> Josh was quite wrong about his interpretation of the trailer for The Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the trailer for, like, it, it took a few seconds before I realized that that's what it was. And then it kind of occurred to me, oh man, this is that new Lord of the Rings series. And mm-hmm. this doesn't look very promising. It mm-hmm. just, I don't know. I, I worry that it's going to be a little more like The Hobbit than Lord of the Rings. But I hear it's going to be more like Game of Thrones than Lord of the Rings. So. Ah, uh, okay, I could see that. I, I mean, I guess part of the problem is you're trying to compare a TV series to one of the best film series, film trilogies of all time, I think. Oh, yeah. And so I just don't think it's going to live up to it. And I think maybe if we sort of all accept that right now, we can enjoy Rings of Power, right? It's probably not going to be like Fellowship of the Ring or, you know, Return yeah. of the King. And Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, hopefully. But, I mean, it's got a big budget. It's got a movie-sized budget, so it should be good. And they can never go wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at Waterworld. Um, so... Yeah, I but but yeah, that's that's interesting. I really just, okay. Well, let's going back to go Cobra ahead. Kai really quickly. I, I just want to say something. Um, I think the thing that I was most pleased. Are you going to say that you're the best around, <laughs> and that no one's going to ever keep you down? <laughs> no, but that's that's funny because my wife and I we jokingly would you say that to me, Mark? We jokingly please? sing that song to each other. We pretend like that's our wedding song, even though it wasn't. But like, and we looked at the lyrics, and it's funny because it's really it's it's not a love song. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a fight like a you know oh, yeah. competition yeah. song. But the thing I like the most about Cobra Kai is the uh, the villain and hero. It, it, it kind of subverts the, the villain hero thing that's just very yeah. obvious, like, you know, the yeah. 1984 movie, The Karate Kid. And it makes you sympathetic in ways you don't expect towards mm-hmm. towards Johnny and also kind of upset with uh, uh, Ralph Macchio. And, um, and I thought that was such a cool way to just you know, kind of subvert your expectations for what they're well, going to do. It's not merely just a continuation of the story with the character right. as the same. Maybe you could say, well, this is the arc of a character because it's a little kid who's, you know, bullied and moves across the country and then he finds himself and he becomes very successful as an adult. And then you have this other guy who thinks he's all that in a bag of chips in high school and then he, that's where he peaked, maybe, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I love well, it. Well, and I think, I think part of the reason for that is that the Karate Kid is a, is kind of one of those movies that's very different to watch as an adult than mm. a than a kid, you know. Um, and maybe to kind of keep with the the TV series, I would say the same thing about the Wonder Years, which might be one of my all time all time favorite movie or TV shows. Mm-hmm. Is that you know you when you watch something as a kid, you see it through very very different eyes, and you and you relate and evaluate the characters differently mm. 
you know, because because I think part of the part of the impetus behind this Cobra Kai thing is that you can go back and watch Karate Kid and realize that uh, you know Daniel's kind of you know he's causing a lot of the problem here. Like he's a picking a lot of these yeah. fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so it's really it's not a stretch to kind of see things through Johnny's eyes as like, you know, he's not this great guy. He's obviously got his issues, but, but Daniel was initiating a lot of the, the conflict and the tension. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I've, I've, I've found that a lot of times, actually, you know, like, like I say, the, the wonder years is one of the ones that springs to mind because I watched it. I was, I was, I watched it when I was basically the exact same age as the protagonist as you know, uh, Fred Savage's character and now when i watch it i watch that show through the eyes of his dad mm. and and you can it's just a very very different way to kind of appreciate why characters are doing one thing or another and uh i, I really enjoyed it um now now well, it remains to be seen if i have the same experience with the mandalorian where i start looking at things through baby grogu's eyes <laughs> but uh but if we're but if we're talking about but if we're talking because he's what like 50 55 years old isn't yeah. that the yeah other, you're so, you're hidden there right you know so <laughs> your life's only beginning that's what that's what that's all yeah, about that's the message but uh <laughs> but really i mean i think right now disney's kind of like the king of the streaming you know well i don't know i mean maybe netflix has more but but disney seems to be the one that's most catered to like we're excited about you know new mandalorian and all the all the marvel series and even though i only watched the first episode of hawkeye but uh um what uh what what do you guys think about the disney plus offerings so i haven't seen boba fett i'm sorry i can't speak to that i'm I'm going to watch it i watched all of the mandalorian and, and all of wandavision um i guess i know there's the captain america one and there's hawkeye so i'm way behind yeah i'm like way behind but i really liked them in fact we've i've Watched the, started watching The Mandalorian with the kids and having them watch it too. So kind of yeah. watching it again. Um, and, you know, it's funny. John Favreau is really kind of an underrated uh, filmmaker and, and mm-hmm. TV series maker because, I mean, he made like the, the best sort of modern Christmas classic. He jump-started mm-hmm. Marvel with Iron Man. He has mm-hmm. uh, done The Mandalorian, I guess, from what I understand. He's... he's I don't know if he's mainly the showrunner or what, but um, a lot. That I think the Mandalorian is one of the best series in the last ten years. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Although it, at the risk of giving a slight spoiler, um, you're going to have to watch Boba Fett before you watch season three of the Mandalorian. Oh no, that's good to know. I will. I plan to watch it. Yeah. I, I'm going to start because it because they. They integrate. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I, I mean, heard. They, is the joke is yeah. kind of that it's the Mandalorian season two point five. Yeah, I think that's a safe way of putting. That's it. That's smart. Yeah. Good of Disney to do that. I mean, Mandalorian was. I think that's the main reason that Disney Plus attracted so many subscribers right off the bat. Right. Um, I think they exceeded well, even their expectations. Um, and it it also says something kind of bad about the Boba Fett series, which is that it didn't really get going until they started integrating other characters from oh, the other show. Okay. Um, cause it, it, it's, it wasn't quite as good. It took a while to kind of get going and you know, yeah, I think that turning it into Mandalorian 2.5 definitely helped its trajectory. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Danny, what do you think about that? I feel so bad. I, I've been, I've honestly kind of stressed out about this episode a little bit, because, like, 
there's so much I want to say, and I want to say it the right way, and, like, already off the bat, it's like, I do feel cynical towards TV shows, just in general, because I feel like, I feel like as a viewer, I'm being milked, and I hate that so much, <laughs> and, but especially with Disney, I feel like, because it's like, hey, you love this thing, don't you want more of it, and... You know, it's actually, you know, taken a lot of willpower for me to be all like, I refuse to watch Hawkeye. I refuse to watch Boba Fett. I, like, it's it's not that I'm not getting around to it. It's that I will never watch these because I'm trying... Uh, it, it's that whole, like, trying to vote with your dollars where it's just... Mm -hmm. I, I want to see something new. I, I don't want to be hurted anymore, especially from what I know of this newest show, but it's, it's really empty and so but we're still watching it and we're still like if they did a season two we'd still watch it and at some point you kind of just have to say no and demand something better and something new and so i'm that's why you know when you're asked when you're saying like disney plus is kind of this king right now i think it's the most successful but i've been the mm -hmm. least impressed with disney plus i was really excited for wandavision because i i loved the style of it, but they went through that style so fast to get back to what we were used to, when it's like, I wanted to stay mm, in the okay. 50s and the 60s a little longer, because I love those shows, like, um, uh, I Love Lucy, it, and I think we talked about this with being the Ricardos, it's my sister's favorite show of all time, and we watched mm. a lot of uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, which was referred to uh, quite a lot in that series, and like, I, I wanted that, I loved that. Um, and then it just kind of returned to like, oh no, this is what you really love. I'm like, no, I love the creative stuff. Like, I, I love that. So, um, it's just been really disappointing for me. And now it's to the point where it's like, I just, I have to put my foot down and say, no more <laughs> Disney, you can't tempt me any further. But it has been very tempting. Like, it's hard. It's really hard because, um, there are some things that are good. Like, Mandalorian does have a lot of really great aspects going for it. Um... Mm. But, you know, season two, I started seeing that whole, like, oh, we're just bringing back old things. You can't stand on your own two, two feet anymore. And and that just feels like regression to me. Hmm. I don't know, but I, I, I feel really harsh with this because I, I think it's kind of unfair because the quality is there. The budget is there. Um, yeah. The yeah. acting, you know, there are well, a lot of really great But it's things. a fair point. Mm -hmm. Good Good production doesn't mean it's worthwhile. Right. That's... You know, I mean, that's... Yeah. The Eternals had good production, mm -hmm. but that was to me a complete waste. Yeah, mm. like you know, and there's some, there's something I agree with you. There's something to be said for originality, and and usually, I will almost always give movies, even if they're not, like originality for me is always worth at least half a star. Like if I'm doing like mm. a star rating, and it's like this is a new thing, this is creative, this has never been done before versus maybe a reboot or a requel or a rehash or a sequel. It's a little bit less, you know, like for example, like Batman is a little bit better than Batman Returns. But you know, like we said, Batman Returns is probably underrated. But yeah, I think originality is... So when I started watching WandaVision, I think we were all in the same boat. We were just amazed and sort of mm -hmm. intrigued. Like our interest was peaked and we were we were like, what is happening here? Why is this black and white? Why, are, why is Vision and, you know, and, and then when it started going to the 60s and the 70s, it was still kind of confusing, but you wanted to watch every second to figure out what was going on. I don't want to give any And I loved the I transition. Guess, the transition was great. Like, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so um, 
I don't know. I I still like the ending. I mean, I, I, the way that that series ended was still really cool and weird and. Uh, but and the emotions that they they hit those emotional beats really well. I think, yeah. I, I think it was great character development and character study. Like they they did do a good job with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So Danny, would you say that you you've liked the Marvel series better than the the Star Wars series, or is it more just that you don't like either <laughs> one kind of recycling characters or ideas? I don't like either one. I'd say, but. Um, I think the series that I have enjoyed the most has been Bad Batch. Mostly okay. because I just I love Omega. I think like there's something about the New Zealand accent that just like has me hooked. But like <laughs> you know, again, it it feels a little more original. And I know they're playing from like the Clone Wars TV series, which I watched in order to prepare myself for it. Which was something else that I resented. Like I hate having to watch one series to understand another mm-hmm. but um marvel been... does that that's one of the marvel things that they <laughs> no and that's do. that's yeah. one of the things that's frustrating me about disney plus is that you know especially with marvel just because at this point i don't know if we're going to get more star wars movies anytime soon but you get this, this the, I, the message that i'm getting is that all the marvel movies from here are going to be dependent on what's going on in all these disney plus series which I haven't enjoyed a whole lot, and and so I don't really want to be accountable for like. In order to enjoy, you know, this new movie coming out, I don't want to have to worry about eight episodes of a series I'm not really that interested in, just so I know what on earth is going on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I, I that's what Wikipedia is for. I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I feel like I know the stories. Hey. Yeah. I. My students could never, could never hear me say anything nice about Wikipedia. <laughs> I am legally, so I, I have to, I have to uh, refrain from commentary there. It's it's interesting to hear you like you, you're seeing the praises of the Bad Batch, and I think that you you're so partial to animation because you've met so many times when we talk about favorites. You talked about the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch, and even with the Batman, you know, the Mark Hamill Joker versions, which are animated Batman movies, and going back to your Christmas uh, Christmas pick, you had that uh, Rankin and Bass uh, Christmas movie, I can't remember what it was That's called. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I think That's maybe, Is that the answer? I think that... Have we, find, have we broken the code? I think we may have. Well, it's Dane weird. just likes I... animation and doesn't like anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's look so at what funny. you wanted us to watch this week. It's half animated. <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, my goodness. I never thought. I don't know. I don't think that I'm really much into animation. I think it's just my Disney Renaissance brainwashing, really. Because, um, like, well, think about it. Like, basically Disney all... Disney Renaissance brainwashing. <laughs> I'm piecing that together. Basically, all the movies that I grew up with as a very young kid, they were all animated. Like, more Tarzan yeah. was my first phrase. I ever learned okay. and like I, I watched that movie on repeat and like Monsters Inc and just a lot of those things so like maybe there's something there but I love live action stuff a lot like I don't know why but for the longest time I was just so captivated by um, the movie The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford mm. and there's something about but, but that's something you could only achieve with the live action with those shots with the with the acting, yeah. the expressions, you know? So, like, yeah, I don't I don't think it's that 
I only like animation, so like I'm seeing all this Star Wars stuff. And I'll I'll be honest, I don't like Clone Wars, and and I really resented that I had to like watch it to like the Bad Batch. But the Bad oh. Batch, I think, was just kind of refreshing, where it was, it felt like new characters with new conflicts, and you know they didn't have to rely too much on old stuff. But I think. I, I, it was just like a lot of the old stuff went over my head because I didn't fully invest into um, the series. So I don't, I don't know. But that's that's an interesting point. I would have never thought that. Um, hmm. Mm. I have to do some soul searching now. This is interesting. Well, it's <laughs> great. It introduces me to if, stuff. Like I, I plan to watch the year without a Santa Claus next year. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, well, I think uh, I think we're working our way towards one of the subjects I know that uh, in in kind of doing making our loose plan for this episode one of the things that, that Danny you wanted to talk about is mm-hmm. uh, animation related so <laughs> so you haven't you haven't mentioned it so far but I know uh, that there is something in, in very specific that you dislike about the <laughs> Boba Fett series so maybe I ought to just like hand it off to you and, and let you just dive right in <laughs> and uh, in the, the deep end, maybe? Would that <laughs> the, the be deep the perfect end, way? The deep something end? Something that I find yeah. deeply disturbing. There we go. Um, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> no and, and I think maybe a lot of it is rooted kind of in what I'm saying with, like, you know, not bringing up new things is, like, you know, bringing, like, literally resurrecting old characters, right? And it's this idea of the, the deep fakes. And, um, you know, we see that with Luke Skywalker being brought back in Mandalorian first. And, like, when I mm-hmm. saw that, I was just horrified and then um seeing that in boba fett as well where i think he has like his own episode really right like so you haven't seen the episode no i'm telling you i am purposely not watching any of these okay so because i thought that you had watched the episode and were just infuriated by it i no, i'm infuriated by the concept because anytime i see it and Ah. like especially rogue one um because i think that was the first big time we we saw this and like Uh, for star wars yeah yeah well, I mean, had it been used? I want to say so. I mean, I don't think I don't think Rogue One was the first one to do it, and and I should probably. And this technology has been around for a while. Well, and as I've been thinking about the technology, I think that it's important to differentiate between de-aging and actually replacing a character absolutely Mm -hmm. because here's the thing the technology it's not the technology that disturbs me it's not that like oh it's uncanny valley or whatever like like i'm fine with cg stuff um i'm okay with that but like it's it's the implication of i'm not they look too creepy (laughs) go ahead go ahead sorry (laughs) no 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 it's it's the the implication of what it means to replace the actor and Mm -hmm that freaks me out especially um from this movie that i watched when it came out back in 2013 um called the congress which was kind of this uh, uh, it's it's literally a drug trip it is it is wacky and i definitely uh, mark you said that you had seen it so i definitely want to pick your brain on it a little bit but the the premise of it well, it's so hard to explain the movie. I'm sorry. Like, I, I want to. I'm going to give it a try. Price. I'm going to give it a try. Okay, go, go ahead. Because <laughs> I watched the it? first. Because I, I watched the first half. <laughs> well, then, then you can't describe it. You no, you. I can. I can give the setup. Yeah, I can give, give the, the setup. setup. Go ahead. So, so as you say, Robin Wright, she plays herself. Yeah. 
And this is kind of like some undetermined point in the future. And because of the nature of technology, the studios, rather than hire and do repeated contracts with actors where they continue to do new roles as they age, uh, the idea is that they're going to scan them and they're going to have like a digital likeness that they can draw on and they can continue to plug into any kind of a movie at any age for eternity, right? And so, so the idea is instead of just signing a series of contracts and kind of be limited by roles because, hey, you're going to get too old, you're not going to be as attractive and people aren't going to want to see you in movies in five years, it's okay, well, we're going we're gonna to scan you once and you're going to sign this one final contract and we're just going to use this digital version of you that can be whatever we want it to be. And that's, this is, you know, it's kind of like the ultimate example of the studios have all of the leverage, they have all of the control, and all of these actors are just stuck in a position where you have no choice but to go along with this because if you don't go along with this, you're going to be uh, obsolete you know, soon, certainly sooner than you'd, than you'd like. Yeah. And so, so Robin Wright, uh, fights against it, uh, for, for obvious moral reasons, but eventually gives in because, you know, like you say, she's got a son who has, who has medical issues. Um, and then, uh, and then after she, uh, commits to the scan, it happens and the movie jumps forward 20 years and things go crazy. And that's where I, totally got lost so <laughs> but in terms of the concept but i but i what i really loved about this movie and and i think the, the reason that you wanted to talk about it is that it really kind of brings this this issue to the forefront which is you know is there something unethical about bringing back actors who have passed away or actors who have not given their position or their permission and you know basically plug them in and and have them do performances that they're not actually doing, right? Mm-hmm. Really, you're taking the human aspect completely out of movies, and and I find that just so just fundamentally, ethically, morally wrong um, for the sake of the actor, for the sake of the audience. It's just, it, it, it sickens me. I think it's just so gross. And um, What if you give permission, though, right? I mean, I think technically deep fakes are, like, without permission. They're, they're fake, you know, they're, they're hoaxes or artificially created, you know, video or audio to make it look like a person is really saying something when they're not. I mean, I guess that, you know, and it, it, it obviously just spirals out of control and gets crazy in this movie, but... Robin Wright does sign the contract for it to happen. Yeah, yeah. but what what did you think of that? Do you think it was fair? Well, no, I, I think even though she signed yeah, it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would really say it was fair. I think it was really just she felt she had no choice because she wanted you know, to help her son. In Rogue One is very obvious because, you know, Peter Cushing is not alive and yet mm-hmm. we see Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, now with Princess Leia and with Luke, it's a little bit different because, you know, at least at the time, Carrie Fisher was still alive and Mark Hamill is still alive now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know exactly whether they gave, I mean, I would assume they had to give some kind of permission because they could, they'd have got a heck of a lawsuit if, if they're just, you know. And, and, and I have watched some interviews with Mark Hamill saying like, oh, Disney called me in and 
Because he was yeah. on the set of The Mandalorian to kind of like, I but, don't know. But they but didn't really miss him much, but yeah. Well, and to my earlier point, though, these examples with, with Luke Skywalker and with, with Carrie Fisher, uh, neither of those were de-aging. They were actual yeah. like other actors who had the stuff like layered mm-hmm. on top of them, right? Like this, this was not just this, this wasn't Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Yeah. yeah in the X-Men three, when they go to visit a young, uh, Jean Grey and they, it's like the first de-aging example. And they just look like somebody <laughs> took Photoshop and like smudged their faces so that they were smooth. It, it looks so bad, yeah, um, but that's no. de-aging. That's not yeah, no, it's, deep it's faking, definitely, right? definitely very different. Um, the the reason why yeah. I like the movie, especially that second half, is that you you move from how did it affect Robin Wright to how does it affect the world, and like I'm not saying because this movie, like I said, is literally a drug trip. Like part of it is you're on drugs in this drug world, and um, and I and I you know you can't take that literally. Like that's not what I'm saying is the terrifying part. But um, something that I just, I really think with this is that it's kind of almost like we have this fear of mortality and of aging and of death and we need to get over it because, no, but for real, it's like, you know, sometimes (laughs) actors age and sometimes they die. Sometimes characters die. And like, there's so many times, how many times do we hate it when, you know, the horror movie villain comes back from the dead or like, you know, he didn't actually die. And we, it, we kind of roll our eyes. We're, we're so over that. Right. And, um, I just, I, I feel like it's the same thing where every time you're bringing it back, it just, it takes away from that original moment. You're, you're, you're taking away that meaning of mm-hmm. life by trying to cheat death. And I just, I don't like it at all. And, um, something else with the movie is because of like how the drugs work. It's all about how you consume celebrities. And I also find that just very uncomfortable and just gross where it's like, also you're not able to grasp reality. So part of reality is mortality and death. Right. But also reality is you are you. And Mm -hmm. so when I watched it again, so in 2013, I didn't know about any of the scanning technology. Apparently, Robin Wright, she said during an interview during this time that she had been scanned. So, like, a studio had this digital copy of her. So, Hollywood's been doing it for years. Um, But, like, when I first watched it, I had no idea. And, like, I was super confused by the animation. But now, like, with all the metaverse stuff, I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's not, you know, these drugs. It's putting on a headset and being whoever you want to be and doing whatever you want to do. But it's not reality. And so I'm just seeing, like, watching the Congress again was horrific. Because now, in 2022, I can see, like, this is the reality we're going to. And I thought, 10 years ago, this would never happen. This is such a bizarre, weird film. And I'm seeing it. And it, it scares me. Yeah, it's funny that you talk, you say how we consume celebrities. Because there's, I mean, this movie gets to the point where supposedly they can eat and drink yeah. Robin Wright. Yeah. Do you remember that line? Yeah, like, I mean, it's not just put her in any movie. It's like they can do whatever they, they want with her. People yeah. can do whatever they want. And um, 
yeah, it was it was very weird. Um, I I don't know the deep faith thing. So I I you know when you think about these people like Peter Cushing, uh, the and yeah maybe you maybe you just have a problem with it, but like they did get permission from the his you know his family to use his uh, his likeness for the movie. And I don't know if you realize, but James Dean, who died in 1955. He's going to be in a new movie. I, I did hear Vietnam about that. And like Gene up. Kelly was oh. in like a Coke and, and commercial or something his, like that, like doing his little right? Like yeah, I mean, I yeah, we that. see it. I don't care about mm-hmm. the permission thing. Like, I mean, I am worried about celebrities because I feel like this is gonna be a terrible yeah. legal headache. Right. I'm worried about consumers. And it's like mm-hmm. what kind of what are we consuming? Like, you know, literally in the sense of this film, but also just like figuratively, like, are we just we become these mindless drones who just like, I'm going to pop on my VR headset and be Robin Wright and forget about actually living my life. That's that's what I find concerning. Not the hmm. legality, the, the ethics with the celebrity as much as it is the consumer. Okay, Danny, Danny I'm going to play devil's advocate slightly. Do it, do it, do it. Because I like, I, like, I like the concern that you brought up. Yeah. What I'm wondering, though, is how different is what you're describing from the kind of detached living life online through video games vr you know <laughs> yeah, like how well no no i mean i'm not i'm just like no 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 i totally or understand. or it could be you know living life through chat rooms 20 years ago or you know, is is this just kind of like the next step in that inevitable march of doom? You know, because it, it what the concern that you're describing, this sounds like a new version of it, but it sounds similar to the concerns that we've had with all sorts of technologies. Basically anything that, you know, takes us away from living a face-to-face interactive life out in the world versus just kind of a pretend life that is digital, right? Which might be a little ironic with us doing this on Zoom, <laughs> but you know, I'd be happy to meet up with you guys and I'll record in the same studio someday when we get all of our For equipment sure. together. But I mean, yeah, I mean, is that do you, is that how you feel? Is like this is just kind of like one more step on that path, or is this something different? Um. Well, I mean, honestly, you're, you're talking about that kind of stuff, and, like, are, are you not concerned about when people have these addictions? Oh, no, I... Consumed? Like, no, no, I, I share that same concern, because I, yeah. I felt the same way for a long time, is about, you know, you don't want to... Honestly, as much as I love movies and TV shows, I don't want to live my life in front of a TV screen. I don't want to live my life exactly. on a website... You know, whether it's in a chat room, whether it's in a, you know, uh, some kind of a shared gaming environment, whether whether it's eating and drinking the soul of some celebrity who has been digitized, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but but it does. It does strike me as as one of, you know, it, it's part of that same thing where it seems like we're talking about the same idea which yeah is, no i i agree yeah. with you and i i don't think that makes it either less mm-hmm. concerning uh, but i feel like 
the way that it's promoted. Because, like, with chat rooms, it's like, oh, you can just talk with your friends, but these are your friends, right? Or, like, you know, just the way a lot of things were advertised where there was still that push for reality, you know, to some extent. Whereas this one, it's like, forget it all. You can work, you can play, you can do everything virtually yeah. now. Well, and, and I think this is really pointed to talk about during the pandemic, just because even before we had, let's say, a more justified reason for isolating, I mean, it seems to me like the way technology has been going for many, many years now has been how can we possibly create a world where you can just stay at home and everything will be brought to your door. You don't have to leave your bedroom and your food will be delivered, your, you know, your media will be streamed to you. Every, it, just, it seems like every, every consumable convenience is designed to making, like enabling your isolation. Right? Yeah, no, exactly. There's, there's more. And, and then, like I say, thanks to the pandemic, well, we've really been able to take advantage of this stuff now, right? And, True. You know, and yeah, because it. But this, this is what I'm saying about like the value of life, though. Because, like, think about it with COVID. Like, we're putting our lives, we're putting jobs, we're putting everything on hold to avoid death because yeah. we, we have to control death at all, at all costs to avoid it, we can't die, we can't age, we can't do any of these things. So we'll stay inside, and then we'll have everything come to us. There's there's no pressure with the presence of mortality, and then there's no actual life because you're not doing anything. And so you're, so you're saying just roll with it. Just get old and Are you get, get gritty and... <laughs> No, no, I think, I, I no, think this is why, because see, honestly, before, before we, you know, started in today, my yeah. assumption was that your, your concern with the deep fakes had more to do with, you know, a, a person who is passed on suddenly being recycled into new material that they didn't have any say in and that it yeah. was more which, of like an ethical still. thing. Which still totally a concern. I think yeah. that's still valid. But, but, but not, but no. not the primary concern you have. No, no. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can, I had a few things. I mean, it doesn't really specifically have to do with deep fakes, but just little funny in jokes, <laughs> things I noticed about the movie. Um, it's like there's a lot to talk about with it. Yeah. So here, here are some things. Um, I uh, okay. So Paul Giamatti is in this movie, and he plays the doc, doctor, Doctor Barker. And I was thinking about well, it kind of go. Well, let me back a little bit. So there's a scene where they're saying the kind of movies that they don't want her to be put into, and they yeah, say sci-fi. Right. They mention that a few times. Like, oh, sci-fi. We're that's <laughs> yep. beneath us. We're not going to do sci-fi. Oh, but the interesting thing that I noticed is <laughs> yeah. all of these movies where a character or, or an, an actor essentially plays him, him or herself, or a fictionalized version of himself or herself. Yeah. They're sci-fi movies. And Paul Giamatti was in a movie oh, I saw sure. at Sundance about ten years ago or so called Cold Souls, mm. where he plays himself. He's like an actor, and he's, huh. he's in a performance, actually, of Uncle Vanya, which is a play uh, by Chekhov, and he ends up, he finds this soul extraction company to extract his soul, because he thinks that's what's causing his problems. Um, and he ends up trying to get his soul back, but then he gets the soul of like an, a long-dead Russian poet, and it helps him play Uncle Vanya even better. Um, and so, like, and it's kind of a dark comedy, and it's, it's, uh, 
And then you go to being John Malkovich, yeah. where John Malkovich kind of plays himself, and it's a weird, trippy. Well, and movie. the people and, in his mind are controlling um, him, right? I mean, that's that's the idea: is that mm-hmm. you're not just looking at yeah. the world through John Malkovich's eyes. Yeah, you're actually able to kind of. Yeah, that's true. It's not simply just being him. Yeah, yeah. it's like controlling yeah. John Malkovich, you know. And um, and then Nicolas Cage is going to be in a movie. I think the unbearable weight of massive yeah. talent. I, was about to I don't bring think that up, yeah. I don't know if that's really sci-fi, but it's you know he's playing himself. <laughs> but it's funny because that's what happens with Robin Wright, and then she is she basically gets put in a bunch of sci-fi movies or. Yeah. Similar, you know, similar types of those kind of genre movies. Um, another thing I liked is the song Forever Young, which when you think about what the purpose of a deep fake is, yes. she sings that. That's in this movie. Yeah. I was going to say, the, is it the not Bob the Dylan version? version? But I think the Bob yeah. Dylan, yeah, it's the Dylan version. Um, it's also, it's the one from Parenthood. They always play it at the beginning of the <laughs> Parenthood TV series. Um, anyway, um, and then I, I liked the... The animation was cool. Um, no, the animation's yeah. insane. And that was, like, outsourced, I think. Because, like, this is technically boring, yeah. kind of. Like, I read a, that it was yeah. animated in a bunch like, of different countries. Just... Like, a bunch of different countries contributed yeah. to the animation. Uh, the yeah, caricature no, styles insane. of all the famous people, like Muhammad Ali and Tom, yeah, Cruise. Tom Cruise, Frida Kahlo... <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of them in there. Picasso, Michael Jackson, Elvis, oh. and Eastwood. Um, there, yeah. See Jesus a it lot? reminded me a little bit of the Al Hirschfeld drawings. Have you ever seen that his caricatures, familiar. like in the New Yorker? Yeah, if you look him up, you'll see what I mean. He has these really bizarre, exaggerated caricatures of famous people, but they're. I mean, you know exactly who it is the second you see it. Like you see, like Liza Minnelli's just yeah. giant eyes. You know. He'll just take what a good caricaturist does and exaggerate. A lot of the uh, the animation mm. in this movie was was like that, because like when you first see Robin Wright animated, mm. um, when she goes to the animated world, and it's kind of freaky, like ugh, why did they do it like that? But then when you see the other other ones, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like it wasn't a completely just realistic, uh, you know, like. I don't know. I can't give an example right now, but sometimes where they animate it and they want it to look as as like the original, the real person as yeah. possible. They didn't do that here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't know. Like I, I'm gonna have to think think more about the whole deep fake thing. Um, yeah, I guess deep, I don't have the deep same. thoughts on deep fakes. Yeah, deep into it. Yeah. Okay, okay, Danny. So what's your uh-huh. what's your final what's your final <laughs> word then on this? This is this is. Your 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 subject, your passion. My final, yeah. No, I think I think everyone should watch this movie. Um, really, I, I. And not only does it explore this, but just you know, entertainment as a whole, like where it's going, and I just I feel like it's so relevant today, and it can help you kind of, you know, see things a little further ahead, a little more clearly. Like I said, with deep fakes with virtual reality um because you know i love entertainment i love you know, obviously i love movies but like they're movies and i think it's important to remember that and you know these are actors these are people you know they're not for our con- consumption like that was something that just really grossed me out with that film and i think you know that's on purpose um and, and, you know, there, there is this interesting point that's brought up in the movie talking about how there are sides of truth. 
And I think, you know, in today's society where we're so divided, like, that feels like such a true thing. And, you know, I think it's important to be on the side of reality. And um, so, I don't know, that's kind of my soapbox thing for this movie. Um, and and I'm, I, you know, I loved hearing, Mark, your thoughts on it. And Josh, even, even though you haven't fully watched it, um, I love hearing what people have to say about it because I, I do think it's very thought-provoking and um, so if anyone does want to watch it and <laughs> venture out there and be warned it's it's insane it's it's crazy it's it's on Hulu um, how did you watch it Mark? So here, I'm glad you brought that up because I watched it on Tubi I've never watched anything on Tubi so I've downloaded yeah. it and it's it's free so now I have a bunch more movies and when you watch it and, and the screen you know it has that it says TV PG but there's no I way that say, it's PG. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't like I kept watching and thinking, okay, that's kind of uh, yeah. They've got a couple f words. That's normally not PG. Oh, I mean, did they? Yeah, on I, TV, I've that's what it says. I've never seen it edited. I am so sorry. I don't know what the rating is even, and I, I don't even. It's I don't, not rated. Yeah. The MPA must not have rated it because I don't know if it was released in yeah. in the U.S. But yeah. um, mm -mm. it was a can. I think was it Cannes Film Festival. Anyway, it was one of the big film festivals that it came out oh, at. It would it would definitely um, be an R rating if if only for the language. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a thinker. It's a unique movie, and I, like we were saying earlier, I like the originality and uh, seeing something that's just nobody's ever done before. So. Cool. Yeah. So at least half a star, right? Oh yeah. Oh for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably three stars. There you go. <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, we covered some good territory today. Talked about some some favorite series, some rewatchable series, some some. I mean, an older film that is now maybe more relevant. It sounds like, and with some some contemporary ethical issues. So, uh, all that for free. What a value with this podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, thanks, guys, and thanks everybody for listening. This has been the Utah Film Pod. We enjoy having you along and uh, be sure to uh, subscribe or send us comments or spread the word around and uh, we'll have some more. Well, actually, I think probably the next episode we'll be talking Oscars, right? So, Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Get excited for those little gold statues. They are a coming. <laughs> we'll see you next time.